This is Hubwonk. I'm Joe Solbaji. Welcome to Hubwonk, a podcast of Pioneer Institute, a think tank in Boston. In November, Massachusetts voters will be asked to decide whether app-based drivers will be independent contractors or be designated employees of the respective rideshare firms. The outcome of this ballot question will not merely affect the future employment relationship of the 92,000 full-time equivalent drivers in Massachusetts, but also their clients who rely on the services for transportation and deliveries. This high stakes question has attracted the support of rideshare firms such as Uber and Lyft, eager to preserve their driver's contractor status and protect the $8.3 billion contribution that rideshares now add to the state's economy. It has also drawn pointed criticism from organized labor and community activists who assert that without the protection conferred by employee status, drivers will be denied benefits and worker rights and expose their riders to additional risk. It will be up to the voters to decide whether these valuable transportation services can be improved with this government intervention or whether such changes could potentially harm the very drivers and riders the activists are trying to help. Where can voters go to learn more about the trade-offs involved with their choice? And can the preferences of the drivers themselves be a useful guide for our decision? My guest today is Lizzie Guyton, the former communications director for Governor Baker and co-founder of the communications firm South & Hill. Ms. Guyton is now working for the Flexibility and Benefits for Massachusetts Drivers Campaign, an organization advocating for a yes vote on the ballot question, and which is primarily funded by app-based driving firms, including DoorDash, Uber, and Lyft. Ms. Guyton will discuss the range of research data on app-based driving, both in favor and against, and share her views on the implications of the ballot's outcome. She will attempt to persuade listeners that a yes vote will not merely benefit rideshare firms who are her clients, but also the drivers, the clients, and the communities that they serve. Hubblebunk listeners will have to decide for themselves which future they prefer when they vote in November. When I return, I'll be joined by communications expert, Lizzie Guyton. Okay, we're back. This is Hubwonk. I'm Joe Silvaggi, and I'm now pleased to be joined by communications expert and co-founder of South and Hill Strategies, Lizzie Guyton. Welcome to Hubwonk, Lizzie. Hi, Joe. It's great to be with you today. Great to have you. You're a first timer here on our our podcast, so I want our listeners to get to know a little bit about you. Um, Your connection to public policy is that you were a member of our uh, inner circle of our very popular Governor Baker uh, for some time. Tell us uh, about your work with the governor and, um, you know, what your role sort of in the policy world has been. Sure. So uh, prior to founding uh, my communications firm, which is called South and Hill Strategies, I was the communications director for Governor Charlie Baker, Uh, worked in the administration for about seven years and uh, really had an excellent opportunity to be part of some of the incredible things that have gone on in Massachusetts, uh, the good, bad, the ugly over the past several years uh, from COVID-19 to the Merrimack Valley gas explosions and really valued being part of a team that was really focused on getting things done and reaching across the aisle uh, to benefit the residents of Massachusetts. That, that's good. And again, if you you, you did a great job, uh, we have a Republican governor in a deep, uh, deep blue state and he's wildly popular. So uh, something's gone right there. Um, <laughs> Now, um, we want to help um, uh, Massachusetts voters, those people who listen to our show are, are, uh, are 
solid voters uh, and they want to learn more about one of the ballot questions that's coming up in November. Um, this is about uh, the designation of uh, the drivers who uh, who ride the Ubers and the Lyfts, uh, how we designate those workers. Give us a high level description of the ballot question. What will it say? What will a yes or no vote on those, that ballot question mean for our voters? Sure. So there is a ballot question that uh, will likely be before voters this November. And the ballot question is whether or not to classify uh, rideshare and delivery drivers. So folks that are driving for platforms like Uber, Lyft, DoorDash, and Instacart um, as independent contractors. And I would point out that right now, these uh, individuals are classified as independent contractors. So a yes vote on uh, this ballot question would ensure that they continue to maintain that independent contractor status. In addition, they would be getting uh, access to new benefits and earnings uh, and happy to explain a little bit more about that as well. So we're talking about the difference between an independent contractor and an employee. Uh, this is not merely a semantic dish difference. This, these uh, designations come with um, rights, privileges, um, benefits. Uh, for the benefit of our listeners, what's the difference between uh, uh, if they remain uh, independent contractors or they become something else? What would that something else be and mean? So as independent contractors, uh, ride share and delivery drivers, they have the flexibility to choose when, where, and how long they drive. They get to be their own boss. And that's something that we know uh, drivers truly value in Massachusetts. Over 80% of drivers uh, prefer to be independent contractors and want to remain so. Uh, being a full-time employee, an employee designation, on the other hand, everybody, I think, has a, a good understanding for what that means. If you're full-time, you have a supervisor, you have required hours. If you're looking to take a vacation day or time off, that's something that you have to request and have processed. Um, and the freedom to really work when you want, where you want for as long as you want is uh, not necessarily something that's on the table. I, I, I Indeed, uh, I, I went deep into the research and learned what the terms P1, P2, P3 mean. And uh, P1 is when you decide whether you want to take a, uh, a, uh, a job or not. Uh, P2 is when you're on your way and P3, I guess, is when you're actually doing the driving. But um, uh, drivers love the flexibility, I suppose, of being able to decide when they want to work, which is entirely an independent contractor's prerogative. Um, but let's compare that then, the flexibility of the independent contractor with being an employee. You, you rattle off a couple things like a, a supervisor and a schedule. Um, there are quite a few people advocating for this um, uh, transition to designate independent contractors as employees, including uh, the attorney general, uh, Maura Healy. Healy's. She, she's suing uh, rideshare firms to require that they make their uh, drivers uh, become employees. What, it, what would it mean for an Uber driver to move from an independent uh, contractor into the classification that, that our attorney general wants them to be in. So right now, rideshare and delivery drivers on these app-based services, they have the freedom and flexibility to choose when they're driving, where they're driving, and for how long. And for a lot of drivers, it's actually not their, their first job. They have other jobs. They could be students or they could be working um, in another job, or they also could be caregivers and seniors that are choosing to do this in their free time. If they were to be transitioned to an employee status, then they would have to take on, you know, all of the requirements that employees do have. Um, this ballot question is not only going 
offers to preserve the independent contractor status so that drivers can continue to to work the way that they are now, which we know that they they like and actually in many cases would recommend this type of work to friends and family. But it also would require uh, the companies to provide new benefits and earning guarantees for them. Uh, For example, uh, paid family medical leave, uh, eligible for healthcare stipends if they're working over 15 hours, and uh, sick time. And right now, uh, these drivers are making about $26 an hour uh, on average. And if this legislation uh, does is approved on the ballot in November, then they would also be get, get guaranteed earnings if they're not making um, you know a certain amount when they're out driving for you know three, four, five, six hours, whatever their time frame is, then they would get a guaranteed earning, which is actually 120 percent of uh, the minimum wage in Massachusetts. Yes, I read in some of my research that. Uh, uh, um, these drivers are making $26 an hour on average, and uh, that's far higher than taxi drivers, even chauffeurs. So their wage is uh, quite high now, uh, but this ballot measure would offer some other uh, additional benefits. Um, now, the ballot measure um, is giving the decision to the voters, but um, we're going to, between now and November, I suppose, be treated to uh, both sides' argument. There's uh, uh, sides aligned in support of uh, this ballot measure, and then, of course, those who are against this ballot measure. So you've just mentioned that it's very popular with the drivers themselves. Drivers want the, to remain independent contractors. Uh, if they don't, uh, if they want to remain independent contractors, who is it that um, who who else is joining them in this fight? Are they have they united uh, themselves, or are there others trying to uh, preserve their their role as independent contractors? Sure. So this ballot question is supported by the companies that I've mentioned: Uber, Lyft, DoorDash, Instacart. Those are the app-based services that uh, would be jeopardized if there were changes uh, to the independent contractor status, not only for their drivers but also for the impact that uh, these services have in Massachusetts communities. And this is also a campaign that has a growing coalition, not only of drivers, but of small businesses, of chambers of commerce, of folks that understand that if there were changes, that it would impact uh, the day-to-day and some of the economic activity that occurs in Massachusetts. And these are services that consumers and businesses very much rely on, not only for mobility, but also to get food delivery, uh, grocery delivery, uh, medicine delivery in some cases, and if there were significant changes and uh, drivers are no longer providing these services, that would be jeopardized. Indeed. Um, these, this is no small matter. I, I uh, read the research on the fact that right at this moment, uh, rideshare adds about $8.3 billion annually to the Massachusetts economy. So there's a lot of money at stake here um, and a lot of businesses that rely beyond the drivers on, on these services. If, if, if there seems to be unanimity among drivers and businesses, who would be against this? Who is it that wants to make uh, and is willing to pay uh, and put out the manpower for uh, this ballot to go down in defeat? And in other words, uh, designate drivers as employees. Yeah, so that side of the argument is being represented uh, very much by big labor and special interest groups and some politicians that don't be- that do believe that uh, drivers should be forced to become employees and not can no longer maintain that independent contractor status. Well, many of our listeners will walk into the booth and maybe not be familiar with this uh, this question at all. But I imagine a, a, a perfect ballot measure would probably put the question to the voter, to the drivers themselves. In other words, they ought to know what's best for them. Uh, I'm going to make a maybe that's a normative statement, but I'm going to assert that drivers know what's best for them. 
if this were left just to the to the drivers, you mentioned earlier that there's a preference. Uh, add some color to that that uh, information. How much do uh, by what percentage do uh, current drivers prefer to remain independent contractors versus those who would prefer uh, to become employees? So 81% of drivers support this ballot measure to be independent contractors. And even further, 79% of drivers would recommend this work to, to friends and families. So they, they enjoy this work and it's, a, it's their choice to decide to, to work for these apps. And, you know, Joe, it's so much more than percentages. I mean, we spend a lot of time with these drivers and listen to their stories and listen to how they're utilizing this work. Um, our drivers, you know, in Massachusetts, our students, they are retirees that are, you know, working these shifts to, you know, save a little extra cash to, to buy things for their grandkids and to enjoy their retirement. Uh, they have other jobs that they're working uh, at small businesses or, or other businesses. And, you know, they're also parents, they're caregivers that maybe the only time that they have to make some extra money for their family is to, uh, you know, drive during school hours when they have coverage for childcare. Um, so it's really about the, the stories and, and the faces of this campaign and what this means to them and how if there was a change um, and they were no longer uh, you know, allowed to have this flexibility to drive, it would significantly change what they call work. You, you um, mentioned a whole range of, of, of profiles of drivers. Uh, add a little more color to that. Uh, are most um, drivers using this as a you know, the so-called side hustle or uh, are, are more, is it, is it split down the middle? Uh, half are full-time drivers, the other half are uh, adding it to their already uh, um, busy work uh, week. Yeah, so listeners might be surprised to know that uh, most drivers, uh, this is not their, their full-time job or their only job. They have other jobs that they're doing. Um, and most drivers are driving for about 15 hours per week uh, on these apps. And, uh, you know, it's also interesting because um, it's not only that drivers are enjoying, you know, working for an Uber or a Lyft they oftentimes work for several platforms and they get to decide when they switch uh, between, you know, Uber, Lyft, DoorDash, Instacart, and for how long they do it. Um, you know, if you try to compare that to a regular employment, it would be the equivalent of, you know, someone working at a, a Starbucks and halfway through their shift saying, oh, I think I'm going to, you know, go across the street and start, uh, you know, filling orders at the Dunkin' Donuts. You don't have that kind of flexibility, but in for these app-based services in Massachusetts, the drivers do, and it's something that they really value for a variety of reasons. So what economists would call a perfectly efficient market where the, uh, where the, employee or the worker can work where he wants, when he wants, when he wants uh, for how much he wants uh, at any given moment. So that's that's a, a pretty profound idea. Um, what's the profile of the person? Um, do you have data on uh, the, uh, the income level, uh, the uh, race or sex or background of drivers? Is it a fairly diverse or does it match our, um, our uh, 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 the demographics of our state in general? Yeah, the driving community is very diverse. Um, it's not only diverse in the fact that it's uh, people of color, but it's people of all ages. It's students, it's retirees, um, it's people that you know it's it's not their primary job and they're doing it as uh, you know a second job or something that they're doing in their free time. Um, so it does really spread across um, all different levels of um, you know diversity and uh, age and uh, race. And these are the jobs that they're choosing that that people value and that they, they want to continue to do and not be obstructed by 
um, you know, politicians or, or special interest groups telling them how they should be working when they found something that really fits uh, not only for them, but for their families. And it's a great way for uh, drivers to earn money uh, when they want, where they want. If they're saving up for a special occasion or they want to save up for a vacation, they have the the opportunity to put in extra hours and extra time uh, over you know any given period of time. And then when they are ready to take that vacation, they get to do it without uh, having to ask a boss for permission. And they have the ability to enjoy that time and get back on the apps when they're ready. That's an interesting concept. I, I think um, those who are pro-employee, if I can characterize the other side that way, uh, want to characterize drivers as as as, uh, as hopelessly desperate, looking for uh, uh, any kind of job and, and settle for this kind of employment. I, I think the fact that we have virtually zero percent effective unemployment right now lays uh, bare that that notion. Clearly, these people who are driving in our current employment situation would have other options. Does your data suggest that, you know, in a sense, even though most firms can't find employees, uh, our rideshare um, uh, uh, companies seem like they have people lining up to take the jobs around the corner? Well, as I mentioned before, you know, our data shows that an overwhelming percentage of drivers enjoy the work and they would recommend it to friends and family. You know, 70% of, of drivers say that they enjoy working these jobs and they're citing the flexibility as the top priority for that over 90% saying that having the flexibility and the ability to choose your own hours and make your own schedule is a uh, huge reason that they have decided to, to work for app-based services, Uber, Lyft, DoorDash, and Instacart. And, you know, when that flexibility, if that is potentially taken away, then it's going to remove one of the main incentives uh, that, in, that entice people to want to work for these jobs and take these jobs. And as mentioned before, not only would they be able to remain independent contractors and maintain that flexibility, but they also would be getting access to new and historic benefits for earnings and for uh, healthcare, sick time, paid family medical leave, these things that uh, they don't currently have. So uh, if a yes vote would preserve that uh, choice and preserve the, the working conditions that we know that these drivers uh, appreciate and value. And there are other opportunities uh, for employment, you know, in Massachusetts, other driving opportunities, and they're, they're going with the apps for the reasons that we've cited um, and earning $26 an hour in this economy. Uh, with inflation and costs being high, uh, people have flexibility and choice to to earn high wages and will then again be getting new guarantees. Now, our conversation really has focused on the fact that the drivers themselves really like this work. They like everything about it. But there are those, uh, many times we have on our show, um, uh, economists, academics, people who study, um, let's say, uh, worker or employer behavior. Among those who have gone deep on this particular issue is the uh, a well-known MIT economist, Jonathan Gruber, he did a paper that uh, I've read that it, it, you know, it's a bit bewildering. I think the the uh, the, the thesis was that he's uh, somewhat discouraged that uh, in our modern economy, uh, more workers are moving away from traditional employers to, to the flexibility of a gig economy. We're all becoming independent contractors. And in that move, we're sort of leaving behind those things that had traditionally been provided by our, by our employers, such as pensions, uh, or health insurance. Um, his thesis and his research seems to suggest that though the uh, drivers themselves seem to prefer uh, the independent contractor, they don't really know what they're giving away. They don't really understand that by becoming drivers instead of employees, that the uh, 
cost is hidden uh, and that they will th thereby no longer have uh, an incentive to save for retirement, no longer have an incentive to uh, put a mon away money for health insurance. Uh, do you think in, uh, in your analysis of the uh, research, uh, are uh, Uber drivers going to be uh, without insurance and without any retirement? Is, is that the, the profile that you see? Well, first of all, there was also uh, information from that study that you're referencing that suggested that drivers prefer pay over benefits. Um, and when you look at these jobs that we're, we're talking about for, for rideshare and delivery, they're not only earning an average of $26 an hour, they're keeping 100% of their tips and are able to uh, enjoy, you know, getting the, the the paychecks from their their driving in a short period of time and actually put that money to good use in their households and for their families. And with the a yes vote on this ballot question, companies would also be required to provide some of these additional benefits that uh, we've discussed and uh, guaranteed earnings for drivers. So they would be getting both the earnings and the benefits. Indeed, I didn't like the uh, Gruber analysis either. Uh, uh, he's, he cited his own work in, in his own paper uh, and uh, made a couple of uh, references to the uh, old chestnut that um, Americans lack the resources to cover, cover a $400 uh, medical bill, unexpected medical bill, uh, leaving out that they don't have that money in cash. They, of course, they have that money, they just don't have it in cash. But let's, let's, let's move forward and just say, okay, let's stipulate what uh, uh, Professor Gruber says, which is, um, you know, uh, you know, drivers in his in his paper perhaps might be better off as employees. Um, let's let's imagine a world where they are made employees. What would what, how would that affect our world right now? How would if uh, we take away that flexibility and insist that drivers become employees? What would be some of let's talk about first the, the good things. What would uh, a, a driver now enjoy as an employee that he didn't as an independent contractor? So a yes vote allowing rideshare and delivery drivers to remain independent contractors does not put a cap on how many hours they can work. So if drivers are able to remain independent contractors, they can work as many hours as they want. They can work these, uh, you know, some do work as full time on these apps and they could continue to do so. I think that the, the nuance is that if the question is approved, if a yes vote is approved and they're able to secure this independent contractor status, no one's being limited with their work and they're also going to be receiving these additional benefits. So if you wanted to, to utilize uh, app-based work as a full-time job, as some people very well do, um, it's a smaller percentage in the grand scheme of things, but there are certainly individuals that drive for these jobs full-time. They can still do so and still do so, uh, you know, on their own terms with their own hours and taking a day off if, you know, they're sick or if they, you know, need to do something with, uh, you know, a sick parent or a kid. Uh, but they're also going to be getting access to the new benefits that we mentioned in the guaranteed earnings. Um, but it would not be negatively impacting those who may only want to be driving uh, for a certain amount of time and who don't want to be taking on all of the requirements of full-time employment, because we know that the flexibility is the main driver for why folks are, are gravitating towards these jobs. So, okay. So we've talked about, you know, indeed it's up to the driver if they want to drive full-time or drive part-time. Um, if they're required to, re, you know, be employees, uh, there would be additional, if we if we accept that they would get some benefit from being an employee, that benefit would come at a cost and that cost would uh, either go to the employer um, or ultimately um, it would mean a higher cost of labor, uh, um, uh, less flexibility. 
but of course, fewer job opportunities. If they were you know, constrained in when they could drive or how much they could drive or what they had to be paid to be dri- drivers, um, we would have fewer drivers. Uh, right. What would you, what has your research told you of, you know, uh, this, this brave new world where every driver is an employee, what would that look like? What, how would that affect uh, the number of drivers, the, the available drivers? What would the world look like in that future? Yeah, it's a really important question. We've spent a lot of time talking about the drivers um, and all of the implications that would happen directly for them. But there's also an economic impact on what it would mean for consumers and for small businesses and for the Massachusetts Massachusetts economy uh, as a whole. And we do know that if there were, if drivers were required to be uh, full-time employees, that up to 70,000 of them may decide to no longer drive for these apps. So what does that mean? That means that with significantly less drivers, it's a pretty uh, high margin, uh, it's in around 80% of drivers that are currently on the roads today, that they would no longer be prov- providing the service. There'd be less availability for consumers and for you know the restaurants and the retail that are using rideshare uh, to deliver goods or to transport passengers from point A to point B. And there, of course, could be uh, you know a cost implication that Again, if it's harder to get a car, that it would be more expensive to get a car. And, you know, you think about Massachusetts and some of the ways that uh, consumers are using these apps. If you have to get an early ride to the airport and you're relying on uh, you know, your ride share and for some reason it's, you know, astronomically expensive or they don't show up, that's a problem. Um, so, you know, having fewer drivers on the road and less availability and, and competition for services is certainly something that could be uh, felt by consumers and by the local economies in Massachusetts. Yes, I have to assume if there were fewer drivers, each of those drivers would cost uh, substantially more, not to mention uh, any of the cost of being an employee that will be, of course, passed to the consumer of the driver. So, yeah, we've got uh, more expensive uh, ride shares, fewer cars on the road. And I also want to talk about some of your research pointed to the fact that um, these services don't just uh, cater to uh, affluent consumers. They're very much uh, useful to those people who work in uh, I hate to use a term like this, transportation deserts, those places that don't have um, either mass transit or, or mass transit that doesn't run in the middle of the night. You know, what, what are those folks supposed to do? Uh, we are both old enough to know what it was like when we relied on cabs. It's somewhat uh, substantially less reliable and, 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 and less valuable. What would uh, um, uh, those communities look like if we had far fewer drivers? Can you, can you talk about some of the knock-on effects? Well, as mentioned, there are a variety of reasons that consumers and businesses are utilizing these services. It's not only for, you know, transportation from point A to point B, but it could be even for, you know, what we consider basic services and necessities like grocery delivery, or if, you know, someone wants to get a ride to, you know, a local Target or a Walmart, they could be using rideshare if they don't have the ability to take a bus or take a train, or they don't have access to a car. And if that's something that, people are relying on now, and then that service is disrupted either because there's not as much availability, it becomes too expensive, um, or it just becomes a major hassle, then that option's eliminated and people would have to figure out other mobility solutions. And there are certainly different uh, parts of the Commonwealth where that could be more challenging than others. But you know, as we've sort of come out of uh, the pandemic and all of the ups and downs of the economy, I would say one thing's for sure, if you're driving for one of these services or you're using one of these services, uh, you're probably not going to be happy if those options are taken away from you for a variety of reasons uh, because of a change you know, that politicians make or that is pushed by uh, some of these big labor, labor groups. And 
these are services that we sh should be protected, not only for the drivers and their flexibility and their ability to keep working, but also to make sure that there's not disruptions to our communities and our small businesses who, you know, have already gone through a lot over the past couple of years and uh, wouldn't want to see some of these uh, services eliminated. Indeed, you know, we, you and I, perhaps uh, our listeners might be thinking, well, this is speculation, but actually there's quite a bit of research on uh, the effect of uh, drivers on communities in, in other states, in other um, uh, areas that um, there's a knock-on effect, a flourishing that correlates with uh, rideshare um, uh, uh, infiltration or uh, prevalence. Uh, share with our listeners, I know we've, there were similar questions in California, but uh, some of your uh, research on what happens when um, a community that has ride shares in it, what, what is the general sense of, of um, the, the knock-on benefits besides people being able to get from A to B? Yeah, it's a great question, Joe. And I, I think you're referring to um, a study that was done recently that showed that actually when there are uh, rideshare and delivery services available in communities, it actually ends up positively contributing to uh, the economic impact and is very supportive for uh, actually new small businesses to open and people to take new entrepreneurial opportunities. Um, and there's there's evidence that shows that ac economic activity actually increases when these services are available because they provide uh, the mobility and the opportunity and some support uh, that may not otherwise exist. Yeah, I want to go a little bit deeper on that. I, I think you, you didn't do a good service to uh, you know what I what I teased out of the data, which is uh, a lot of the uh, entrepreneurs, the way that these drivers uh, em empower entrepreneurship is that. Uh, in order to become an entrepreneur, you need to, to take a chance uh, and you need to have a safety net. And for a lot of uh, low income people, they don't have such a safety net uh, and their income from driving is that safety net. So if you want to start a new business and you're not sure you're going to be able to pay the bills with that new business, driving is a great way to, in a sense, supplement your income until you get your business off the ground. So I think uh, some of our listeners may come from uh, wealthy uh, backgrounds, wealthy families who, in a sense, serve as their uh, safety net. Uh, if you come from a less uh, privileged background, you, you, if you're a driver, you, you create your own safety net. You, in a sense, say, if if my uh, uh, if the risk I'm taking on this new business doesn't work out, I can still pay and feed my family with my my driving app. Uh, uh, is that how you, in a sense, uh, uh, saw the data? Uh, do, do, do you did you see what I saw in there? Yeah, I, I, I think there's a lot of different scenarios where these apps uh, are very supportive and helpful for uh, individuals and families. And, you know, that's part of the, the beauty of the way that these rideshare services and delivery services are utilized is there's really something for everybody. And depending on what your needs are, the flexibility allows everybody to participate, you know, drive when they want for as long as they want. Um, and, you know, in a concentrated amount of time, if they want, you know, to your point, uh, if somebody is working on uh, starting, you know, their own business or they have another priority and they're picking up extra hours driving in, in the meantime, we do see that. You also have students who may be, you know, uh, full time and looking to pay student loans or to have extra spending money in their pocket. They can drive around their class schedule and they can uh, find a quick way to, you know, put extra money in their pocket. And again, you know, they're averaging about $26 an hour in Massachusetts right now. They're keeping 100% of their tips. Um, and it's it's on their time and it's within their control. So it does provide more opportunities, not only for the individuals, it also provides opportunities for businesses. Uh, you know, there may be a business that's getting started up that is doing uh, food delivery, but they can't afford or don't want to take on the ex expense of a driver uh, to, to deliver their product. So maybe they're, you know, utilizing the, um, you know, DoorDash or Instacart to, to get or Uber Eats to get 
their goods out to people. And that's something that they can tap into um, versus, you know, not having to do it all on their own. So I think it can be used, you know, kind of on both sides of the ball uh, and give people a lot of opportunities to, to earn that extra money and to earn it on their own time. Lizzie, we are here in Massachusetts. Uh, we like to think of ourselves as leading the way on these issues, but actually there have been other states who have considered this um, question in a uh, ballot or pr- proposition uh, idea. We, we talk a lot about California on this podcast. This uh, question had been put before the voters in California in the past. How did it go there? How did voters uh, and the results happen there? Yes. So California uh, was called Prop 22. It was a very similar uh, ballot question that was before the voters in 2020 and it passed. And uh, so far, the the response from drivers has been overwhelmingly positive about how passage of Prop 22 has positively impacted uh, their experience as drivers. Um, Over 88 percent are in support of that passing and reporting, uh, I think, about 75 percent have said that their earnings have actually increased since Prop 22 has passed. And an overwhelming majority of drivers in California would also recommend that other states uh, take up similar measures uh, for their drivers uh, because it's been really positive for their experience. So the first time this has been considered in another deep blue state, uh, the uh, driver's preferences prevailed. And in the aftermath, everybody was happy. Is, is that a fair way to characterize it? A vast majority of drivers have said it's been good for them and they've seen their earnings got, go up and that they would recommend it to others. So uh, by my count, that is a pretty good uh, report card. All right, we're getting close to the end of our time together, and I, uh, you know, before we, um, uh, you know, dispense with this topic, there are, uh, you know, I've already seen some uh, pretty uh, persuasive ads advocating for the employee designation of drivers. Um, one being that if I am an independent contractor, and God forbid I get in some sort of accident, that if I were an employee, I would be uh, my my passenger would have some rights that. Um, uh, the independent contractor's uh, rider would not have. In other words, uh, it's safer for a rider to ride in an employee's car than in a independent contractor's car. Is there any merit to this concern uh, or is this a lot of um, unfortunate campaign misinformation? Yeah, unfortunately, I think that that is very much part of the misinformation campaign that our opponents are pushing. Um, the reality is, is that the ballot question would actually provide uh, more protections and more uh, liability and uh, required trainings for drivers that would provide more consumer protections. And in general, uh, in the state of Massachusetts, there are very stringent policies for rideshare and to make sure that these services are provided uh, to protect the driver and the riders. So there's no real sort of risk or insurance implications of changing the designation to employee or remaining as an independent contractor. No, in fact, the legislation specifically provides uh, more occupational insurance. Wonderful. Um, so our listeners are now, their curiosities peak. They've got till November to, to figure out what they prefer or what they want. I'm sure they're interested in some of these studies we've mentioned. So I want to give them an opportunity to find that, not just uh, uh, you know what you've said, but also if they want to dive deep into the research that supports what you've said, where can our listeners go and learn more about uh, this ballot question? People can go to yesformassdrivers.org and they can find a lot of information about the campaign, including the text of the ballot question, including a lot of our different fact sheets, um, information from drivers about why they're supporting this campaign. 
And any study that you will hear the campaign talk about, you know, publicly or you'll see in advertisements, uh, those links are made available um, for transparency for voters, understanding that this is a complicated issue with a lot of moving pieces. Um, it's important that the public has the opportunity to read these documents for themselves, uh, form their own opinions, and, and know that uh, the information that uh, the campaign's talking about is all sourced uh, in uh, publicly available information. Wonderful. Well, again, our, our listeners love information, so uh, I'm sure you'll get some new visitors. And uh, let's hope uh, we get a uh, an informed uh, outcome in, in November. So thank you for joining me today on Hub Wonk, Lizzie. You've been a terrific guest. Thank you. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate it. This has been another episode of Hubwonk, a podcast of Pioneer Institute. If you enjoyed today's episode, there are several ways to support Hubwonk and Pioneer Institute. It would be easier for you and better for us if you subscribe to Hubwonk on your iTunes podcatcher. If you want to make it easier for others to find Hubwonk, it would be great if you offer a five-star rating or a favorable review. We're always grateful if you want to share Hubwonk with friends. If you have ideas or comments or suggestions for me about future episode topics, you're welcome to email me at hubwonk at pioneerinstitute.org. Please join me next week for a new episode of Hubwonk.